0: When you look at the Fortune 500, look at the top 20, the bulk of them are middlemen who bring no value to the system, and they're, they're preying on everyone else. And when you, people go, God, how do you save all the money? Eliminate the medals. That's all we do. And build employer-built health care. Point Health built health care, not insurer-built health care.
1: As you know, if you've listened to previous episodes of this podcast, at Point Health, we are focused on making healthcare easy to find, easy to understand, and easier to afford. As we launched Point Health, we wanted to share what we learned during the process of building the company, so we started this little podcast where we are lucky enough to talk with some of the best minds in healthcare and technology to get their advice on how we can make the biggest difference. Today I am here with Doug Bain, our chief growth officer, and we are extremely excited to be joined by Carl Schusler, managing principal and co-founder at Mitigate Partners and managing principal principal at Benefit Strategies. Thanks for joining us today, Carl.
0: Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here.
1: Oh, you're too kind. All right. Well, let me give a little bio on Carl and then we'll just kind of jump into the questions and we'll we'll have a ball. Uh, So Carl's the co-founder and managing principal of Mitigate Partners. Uh, With more than 30 years of experience in benefits consulting and financial services, he pioneered the fiduciary approach to benefits advisory services. Carl is a founding Health Rosetta Charter certified advisor and a highly accomplished speaker and author. His interest in treating the employer's money like his own, which is awesome, we'll talk about that, led him through seven years of research culminating in the development of his fair cost health plan an innovative plan design seamlessly integrated with a high performance healthcare solutions platform that provides best in class benefits at substantially lower cost, while improving clinical and financial outcomes for health plans and their members. So that will be really fun to talk about, but we often like to start out at the beginning, Carl. So I know you grew up as the son of a doctor in Macon, Georgia. Uh, what, what did that experience teach you? you know, did your dad's career in healthcare play a role in you ultimately finding your way into this healthcare world?
0: Well, I, I, I went to University of Georgia, the Harvard of the South. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's really not supposed to be funny, Steve. <laughs> we'll
1: cut out um, my laugh.
0: <laughs> um, but uh, I went and that was made. I wanted to be pre med because, you know, you respect your father. My mother was a stay at home mom, raised the kids, was a tremendous mother. And so, you know, my, my father, that's what I saw him do. And I saw how the patients loved him. I saw how, when you deliver, I mean, there's not many more happy times of life when you have a baby. I mean, it's such a special time, and gosh, I mean, it would it would get gifts from people. It was crazy, and I just said I'm gonna be pre med, and I, I don't remember how I did biology and chemistry in high school. I, I think I did okay. So I go to Georgia, and I'm in a biology 101, and it's a big room, 200 some people, and they said, M- Mister Mister Schusler? You know, i mean, at it, it's I'm up here, you know, and, and um, real quick after going through that class, I said, I, Dad, I, I don't think I want to do this. and uh, I wanted to be more business oriented. So, um, but the experiences I gathered from him and really why we have been asked to speak in front of physician groups often, no one understands that side of the house. And people get up here on stage and they bash positions and they don't really understand. And when your father, uh, when it was he and Dr. King, when he's not there on Christmas morning, because, you know, he Lindsay's having a baby and he can't say, Hey, Lindsay, hey, keep that baby at bay. I got to see my kids open their gifts. I mean, it just doesn't work like that and couldn't coach my teams couldn't be at all our events. And so, you know, I, I have an appreciation for that side of it. I don't think, I think a lot of people view a doctor and they make a lot of money and all that. They have no idea the price is paid behind the scenes. And I mean, they are the center, in my opinion, of the healthcare care system. Uh, I'm picking a physician to operate on me. I am not picking a hospital. That's most important to me. The care team is important, but that doctor is. And so watching that and learning that, things came to roost later in life. Uh, I had no idea. Started my career at Northwestern Mutual. Doing you know financial planning, investments, insurance, and I had no idea it would head this way. But as I learned later, and we get into it later, I learned a lot from my dad. I mean, he again, these are I probably nineteen, probably nineteen eighty three or so. I worked at the golf course, and I'm sorry for the long winded answer. <laughs> you knew it was going to be this way. We got so. stories. We <laughs> like
1: we like stories.
0: Y'all know. So I worked the golf course, and I said. Dad, and we call. I'm not going to give the doctor's name away, but he was always at the golf course, solo practice OB-GYN, solo, always at the golf course. And on top of that, he's a horrible golfer. But anyway, <laughs> they called him Dr. Golf. And I said, Dad, Dr. Golf is always out here. You got four partners now. Why are you never at the golf course? And he said, Son, his C section rate's 50%, mine's 15%. And I, and so that comes to roost later when you're Lindsay's making a decision on an OBGYN to go to. Wouldn't Lindsay like to know that that doctor does C-section 50 percent of the time, or you she rather go to someone that doesn't 15 percent. And that information wasn't available to the public. And it is in our fair cost health plan because of the tools and the bricks in our house that we have. So that I'm sorry for that long winded answer. But things like that came to roost later in an appreciation of a physician. I mean, they are a part of this embedded complex of interest in some cases, but for the most part, they just want to take care of people. That's why most of them went into it to take care of people. Yeah. They're folks that cut excessively and there's all that, but they want to take care of people and they were just ramrodded with managed care and they were too busy taking care of people and the world changed in front of them. So my dad predicted it way back. I remember my mom on her bumper sticker on a car, in 1985, right when I was getting ready to go to college, I went to the pediatrician's office. And I can remember it vividly. My doctor, my choice, and that kind of. went. And, and I tell you, my dad, just a quick thing of what happened. He he, he didn't he didn't join any of the HMOs and PPOs. I'm not doing it. Dad is a real principal guy. That might be where I get the conviction <laughs> and the passion from. He's he's like that. And he said, "I'm not doing that." And I, all of a sudden, Lindsay shows up his office. Been coming to him for 20 years, and she said he said she said doc she said i can't come anymore. And he said okay we do anything wrong well, no you're not in my network and you know it, if i go over here it's free and uh i'm sorry and boy he he just said that's it the whole system's over and i think he's pretty much right so anyway that's my short answer hmm.
2: well you know uh carl you and i have that in common uh, my dad's a doctor. I grew up saw the same things, lived the same experiences, and uh, started out pre med. And uh, here we are, a bunch of years later, still we're we're trying to fix healthcare, and we're trying to fix healthcare for our dads. Um, so let me ask you something else about your background. So you are a founding Health Rosetta certified uh, advisor, and so two aspects of that. One, uh, tell us a little bit about Health Rosetta. And and what that means, what that's all about, and also just what was it like for you, being a founding member, going into that, uh, you know, you know, paving some new some new road for folks.
0: Okay, good question, Doug. When we were when we started this and we're going down this road and really created this this fair cost health plan, it was before Rosetta existed or any of that that we knew. So what was cool is, and I think, you know, Dave Chase, Sean Chance, and Melissa Taylor you get a lot of credit. They, it was more of an openness in a collaborative environment. Um, as it came up, I'm like, well, this is a cadre of like-minded people. This would be a good thing to be a part of. And what the Rosetta stands for is, you know, really accelerating fixes to the healthcare system, you know, in a, in a you know, with nonpartisan fixes. And because healthcare isn't, a, a bipartisan thing it's nonpartisan it's it, it, it affects us all um, so i think when they did that and it came about it was a good opportunity and i think there was 30 of us initially and uh, it's i think it's about 220 250 now um, and you know everyone's at different stages and there's a lot of give back uh, mentoring helping um, and so forth so it's been a it's been a great i think what they showed is, You know, there's information there. Let's share it instead of, you know, I'm competing with Doug. I'm going to, I'm going to beat Doug's brains in because I'm going to, I'm not, why would I help Doug? And so, you know, when somebody's on the other side of the country, who cares? Uh, Even if they're in your backyard to some degree. So yeah, that, I think that there were a lot of great things that came out of that.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. We, we are also fans of Dave Chase and, uh, you know, the work that he does and the summits they put on and all that they do. Um, and I was gonna add in too. I'll throw my hat in the ring. My dad also was. A, his dad's a dentist. So, you know, we all apparently weren't good enough in science to follow our dad's footsteps. So we we found our way into healthcare another way. Uh, my sister is the one who's in dental school, so she's gonna carry on that legacy for him. Um, well, my,
0: so my daughter's a nurse. There you go. See, it, it, on it, her,
1: it, it on runs on in her, the family. Yeah,
0: she's in her fourth week at Piedmont Hospital, which is oh, yeah. a humongous health system and. That's probably about all I should say about that. Since this is but, uh, 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 but uh,
1: congratulations to your daughter. Yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, so she
0: and she went to the same school my dad did, and my dad graduated in, in '68. Yeah. I was born in '67, and uh, so Mary made got out in May, and uh, she's doing that. So there's an article coming out in a magazine about four generations of healthcare, and my wife continues to tell me that I'm not a generation in healthcare. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think you have to operate on. People I know in healthcare, you can make so. a difference
1: yeah. without an MD. Yeah, no, I. It's it is funny how families end up you, that that can happen. You know, like you can become a healthcare family. My my brother works in it as well, and my mom managed my dad's practice. And yeah, we've kind of become a healthcare family. Um, well, I did. I wanted to ask you about your Fair Cost Health Plan, and I actually in in some research I saw that the Time Magazine article "America's Bitter, Bitter Pill" by Stephen Brill, which was later turned into a book, and actually is is kind of what inspired me a little bit actually to go deeper and dig deeper into this whole thing. A friend recommended it and I really enjoyed reading it. I know that's what inspired your idea to create, create that plan. Could you maybe tell us about how that, you know, how that inspired you, what road that led you down and then, and then give us a bit of an overview on, on the fair cost health plan. Sure.
0: Um, that's a great question. I I would say it was February of 13 and I was coaching my son's middle school team at his school. And, uh, Baseball, baseball team. And, uh, I got jacked up in the face with a baseball, went through a net. that should have never happened. It was kind of a weird setup, but at the, the, in the practice area and, uh, broke six bones in my face. That's why I'm so good looking. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: but you know, because I was an adult, they all healed back. No problem. If it had happened to my son at that age, he was in middle school. That would have, he'd had to have several surgeries. So I remember, and I'm sitting there, and the world went quiet, and this blood just starts coming out of my nose. It hit a nasal cavity. And uh, the doctor, a good friend of mine, Dr. Moore, who's a thoracic surgeon, uh, was coaching also with me. His son and my son are good friends. And uh, we went to the emergency room. I mean, I was fine walking around and sat around. The ER doc says, you're going to have one hell of a headache tomorrow, Carl. And I said, that's fine. And they prescribed Percocet and all this other stuff. And the truth was, I really never had a headache. I really never had a headache, never really took a Percocet, which I'm thankful for, uh, as you know, the whole opioid issue across the country. And so that was a learning experience there. Of course, I didn't know about the opioid issue at that time, it was 2013. And during that time, my face turned about 20 colors over the next two (laughs) weeks. So it was interesting seeing people in public. A little like Kramer on that episode of Seinfeld when he had that smoking room. His face was all craggly looking. I was all kind of colors. And and so anyway, um, I read started I read the the Mac the article in Time magazine. And I just said, Golly, you know, I always wondered and there's a better way. So that's really how we started a walk down that road. The other part, Stephen, was, you know, the Bukas as we referred to so affectionately, Blue Cross United Signet and the Humana. Um they weren't getting it done, and every year we deliver bad news to clients, and we get a raise, and they they would we make their benefits worse, and their employees would lose, you know, really take a salary decrease, right, they had to pay more out of their pocket, and that wasn't getting it done, and and so as I started, and I said, well, I can't, how can I work with these people? And after everything I learned, and then I had to go and, and obviously we do work with bookers in situations we have to at a certain times, but then I was able to start looking at independent third-party administrators and learn real quickly. And again, this is no knock on any of them, but I am known for saying this quote and I'll say it here one more time. All TPA suck is finding the least sucky of the suckiest. And it's very difficult to find a good TPA. It really is. There's a lot, but when you're digging in the weeds like we are and you're as thorough as we are, and when we build these benefits champions at our clients, You learn things you don't know. So I'd go to the TPAs and I would say, you know, hey, look, Doug, I'm having a party. I've got the booze locked down. I got catering locked down. I got the ballet parking and I got the band. My only problem is that I ain't got nowhere to have my party. Will you host? And they would say, sure, Carl, we'd love to. You know, we thank highly of Stephen and we're glad you called us and thanks for calling. And they would say, no, but Carl, you can't serve Bud Light. You got to serve Michelob light. I'm, I'm like, nah. I want to serve Bud Light. And they wouldn't let me. And I said, well, that pretty much ends this conversation. So I was going out. What I figured out is I'm not going to rely on anyone. Our job is to be a fiduciary of our and steward of our clients' money, treating like it's ours. That is our job. That's what they're hiring us for. That's the way I feel. And in doing that, why am I going to rely on some other person to do that? and a lot of the tpas again they're 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 really good tpas out there but a lot of them have their own solutions from a cost containment standpoint and they generally get paid on some of them which is fine as long as that's transparent so we built a model where we bring the party to them the fair cost health plan and they administer and they get paid a per employee per month admin fee, and that's really how that whole thing started and then the thought was, do we start our own TPA? Since it's so difficult to find one. But I, I'm not real good at managing people, I don't think. And uh, so, anyway, we have never done that. But uh, that's kind of it in a nutshell. And, I mean, we went all over the world finding these cost containment solutions and brought them together seamlessly integrated on 20-plus solutions into this uh, thing we call a fair cost health plan.
1: What are some of the core – I just wanted to follow up on that. Some of the core pieces to that that you you feel like really makes it unique. I know you you include things like DPC and others, but maybe what what, what do you feel like really makes it kind of stand out and provide such a big difference?
0: Well, I think in any good house, you know, foundation is extremely important, and uh, value based direct primary care, advanced direct primary care, whatever term you want to give it, is by far the most important component. It gets back to the Marcus Welby MD days and for people like Lindsay that are too young and know that they can Google it. Um, but it's, uh, Lindsay, that was supposed to be funny by the way. Um, um, but that's where we need to get back to where neighbors take care of neighbors and direct primary care gives you that opportunity to have a relationship with a doctor. And again, we don't need to go. I know y'all know what it is, Yeah. but it's a one-on-one relationship that lasts more than seven minutes per meeting. Which is, you know, the average uh, internist visit today. So that's number one. That's a good foundation. If you do that right, the rest of the things can really happen. And I learned a lot of this from Dr. Lee Gross, who's, you know, one of the most well known, who brought us over to the hospital, the Memorial Hospital, when he heard what we were doing. And he goes, these guys know how to build employer built healthcare the way it's supposed to be. And so we, we've been real successful. We, he just shared the story at Free Market Medical in Dallas a couple of weeks ago, I think on August the 7th. And the stats on DPC versus non-BC, DPC is not even close. It's crazy how much better. So as great as this fair cost plan is, and as proud as we are of it, Dr. Gross and Dr. Crouch and, and Ann Horner is, is office manager. They get a lot of credit because, and by the way, a hospital put in DPC? That'll make, yeah, they owned that. So I, I had
1: that, I had the, the same thought. thought,
0: yeah. So, anyway, it's been a great uh, situation, a great, unbelievable story, and, mm-hmm. and so forth. So, that's number one. Sorry, I'm stick to point on these next. Ones. Mm-hmm. I think you got to have a Doug, you're laughing at that, you don't believe me. Okay, <laughs> um, of course, I do. <laughs> um, cost and quality guidance, navigation. How does Lindsay go through the system as an employee? What does she do? We built a model. We have a solution there that is just top notch. So everything, if you think about a house in this house of these, all these 20 plus bricks that are make up the fair cost plan and the the metaphor of a home. Well, all we need to know is where the front door is. The members don't care about all that. They don't need to know what's behind the sheetrock and all that. They need to know where to go. So one call, that's all. They go through the front door the TPA or the cost and quality company and that guidance navigation happens from there. Um, you also, I feel have got to, um, deal with your pharmacy spend. So RX optimization, we work with a great pharmacy consultant to help with that. And, um, and you need to pay a fair price for things. And, um, we, we, we are able to negotiate cash prices for a lot of things. A lot of people jump to reference-based pricing, metric-based pricing and and all that. And, you know, that's a blunt instrument. That's a pretty tough way to start a relationship with a physician or a hospital. But it is a component, and we call defined benefit pricing is what we call it, uh, in it. So in our model, the way this deal works is when the calls come in, what we require is in some clients, and uh, some don't listen to us, but we would like to say, if Lindsay doesn't call the cost of quality company for any elective or pre certed procedure, then Lindsay's going to be penalized a thousand dollars. And Lindsay's like, my gosh, you know, oh my gosh. So Lindsay's going to make that phone call, whether she's going to see an endocrinologist or whatever she's doing, she's going to make the phone call. Hey, this is Lindsay Logan, I'm uh, I- I'm out of the penalty, right? Yeah, you, yeah, you, well, yeah, sure. What are you getting done? Well, I'm going to see a specialist. And- we can help you. We can research that specialist, see how good they are, blah, 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 blah. So any pre-certed elective procedure needs to make that phone call. Once they make that call, the goal then is to try to achieve a cash price. So we make sure there's no lying or deceiving the, the, the uh, provider. It's strictly they call and say, hey, we'll work with you, tell them you want to pay cash. And so we work at cash price. If cash price fails, we will go to a direct contract. Mm-hmm. If direct contracts fails, we'll go to a single case agreement. Mm-hmm. And then if that fails, door number four would be some form of reference based pricing at a very fair number. We don't get to door number four off.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, we really don't. And so I think those pillars, and um, having a, and we've been able to build custom networks, And we've also been able to successful to get anchor hospitals to participate. And by steerage and guidance, we've been able to achieve some remarkable things. And I think that's probably the biggest piece. But here's the Stephen, here's the probably the most important thing. You know, there are people that, you know, bolt on reference based pricing and they'll carve out the farm, the PBM pharmacy benefit manager, y'all, or we call them program Bilking Millions. They carved that out, and um, I, 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 I see. I actually made some laugh. That's unique. Okay, oh, no,
1: I, the first yeah. time I've heard that. I, I've been I've heard a lot of these conversations. It's the first time I've heard that use of the acronym. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: So, um, so anyway, um, we they they do that. They think they've solved Middle East peace. I mean, <laughs> and and what we really did, and we had a big event at Gasparilla Inn back in June, and it was Employer Day, <clears throat> where we featured a lot of the Fair Cost Partners. With the clients on stage. And then we had a day two, which is for Mitigate partners and fair cost partners. And they could talk about it. And what we do is is we call it integrated coordinated care IC Square. This is probably the biggest thing with this program. And this is why the stop loss carriers love it. That's why they give up to 58% savings on stop loss premiums because of this program. And they they'll stand up and say it. They're all on tape and, and doing it before. So here's the most critical thing. So if Doug comes into the system, and we had an, oh, a school district I used to work with, I'm not involved with anymore. What our partners is, but you know they were with one of the BUCAs. and we were had to we, they were in a contract, so we were stuck in that situation for a year. The call comes in, or we get an email that says, "This is your large claimant notification for today," with an exclamation mark, and I'm I'm like, "What the heck makes you think I'm excited about this?" I mean, seriously. And so we look at it, it's a $3.2 million heart transplant. First we heard of it, first time we heard of it. But because of the wonderful discount, it's only 2.2 million. But that's a problem when your stop loss is 900 grand. So that costs the taxpayers and, and the school $900,000. That's a problem. The key to, to, the key to being a good population health manager, key to actively managing your health plan in employer bill health care is deal with it before it becomes a client. And so what we were able to do in our model what would happen is that call would have come in, Stephen, and it would have been, hey, you know, this is happening. And it gets, you know, goes through pre cert goes through medical management. And immediately, hey, ding, 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 we have a system up in a cloud, HIPAA compliant, where everyone can communicate very seamlessly. And then you're notified by an email that there's been a communication instead of having all of us on 400 emails back and forth, this makes it a lot better. And all the people jump in. So immediately our network development team, our cost and quality team, our third party administrator, the TPA, um, all all of them, I think I said the same thing twice. Everyone jumps in and roll their sleeves up. And we would have been able to do that heart transplant for $184,000 if it was in our model. So the team working together, I think what everyone saw on June the 8th at the the Gaspar Land was they love these members. So this is really coordinated care. If somebody has a chronic kidney disease, we have a partner, a brick in the house that is involved in that communication. Everyone is there for the member. And that is what makes this so different. They all know how to play in the sandbox. They know when the other's about to sneeze. They know when the other's about to burp. I'm not gonna get any more (laughs) grotesque than that. But they know each other so well, they know how to handle problems. None of that happens in an insurer built health plan, period. There is none of that. I will go to my grave saying that it never happens that way. And That's what makes Fair Call so unique is 20 plus solutions uh, uh, harmoniously working together for that member to have better health care.
2: Sounds like you've managed to get everybody on the same side of the table as opposed to two different sides, three different sides, eight different sides of the table all working against each other. Let me as, tease out a little aspect of that because you you point out that, you know, there are radically different costs, prices for the same procedure done with the same level of quality or better. And it goes to something that we've all been striving for. I think everybody's involved in healthcare for a while. Like, how do you make healthcare actually shoppable so there are some sort of real economic uh, you know, drivers in the middle of this. There ought to be. There isn't every everything else we buy. So, tell us your thoughts about sort of price t- transparency. You're obviously deploying resources to help people shop through it. How do we make it more shoppable? How do we make it more um, more you know subject to the the kind of economic forces that could help bring some costs down?
0: Well, that's a good, another great question, Doug. And you know, uh, I can answer that in one word. If you can believe that. Of course, I'm lying, so I'm no not going to do it. No way. I don't believe it at all. Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lindsay's
2: over there doing a word count.
1: Oh, He's uh, trying to shatter, edit this episode a lot, man. He
0: shattered, he shattered the podcast record. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, um, I was trying to make a side bet on that, but no one would take it.
0: That's right. I know. Oh, man. That's bad, That's bad. <laughs> isn't it? That's bad. Um, I think you got to thank groups like Patient Rights Advocate patientrightsadvocate.org, Cynthia Fisher's team, um, Alaria Santangelo, Linda Bent, Marty Jameson Kerry. these wonderful people that are pushing that ball up the hill. And I'll put you all on this list. You need to sign these letters and follow up with CMS. It's in the comment period right now. Um, Association of Independent Doctors, the executive directors, Marnie Jameson Kerry, keeping doctors independent. Benjamin Rush Institute, all about protecting the patient-doctor relationship. Those are the start to me. And y'all know the whole thing with the hospital transparency and so forth that's going out yep. there and patient rights advocates behind every bit of it. They use, the videos, y'all know that they took of our clients and many other employers around the country as examples to HHS and the White House. And they've been at the front row seat of all of that. So thank them publicly for all they do. Wonderful people. That's a good start, Doug. But, but I think from a standpoint of the transparency, the problem is you've got to get the employees to care. And if I go out and have a knee replacement done, I'm going to blow through my deductible and out-of-pocket max, even if it's one of these ridiculous numbers that are on these plans today. The not ours. We, we generally have no barriers to care. We have no deductibles most of the time. Very small copays. Things you not seen in 40 years. But on most of these other plans, they have those high, those high out-of-pockets. So they don't care where they go. Because they're going to hit their out-of-pocket max no matter what. And then the hospital is going to run around chasing them to only collect 7% of that out-of-pocket money. And that's a problem in itself. So I think what you have to do is you've got to get them to care. And that is done by channeling. What we tried to do really was build a plan. Everybody talks about consumer-driven. I want the employees to have a, a, a skin in the game. But I'm telling you, the high deductible plans had not worked because people are scared to use them. We see it all the time. Utilization's yeah, terrible absolutely. because oh, we're saving a lot of money. Well, you wait three years, see how that works out for you. So, I think you've got to be able to do that and build it where they go, where you want them to go. But more importantly, they go where they should go, and that really is done by the cost and quality and the, the transparency. We're able to get that information um, that you know is not attainable today um so we're able to do that and again everybody will argue oh, where are you getting your data and all this stuff and you know my answer to that is where are you getting your data for your employees how's that working out for you that's what i thought so it's not perfect but it's a good solution so i think the guidance handled by nurse navigators is extremely important to steer them and and, and doug it's got to be incentivized we call it weaponizing plan design and we've been told, don't use that word, use incentivize. And you have to have people give choices. And so Doug, they get choices. If you make the call and we say, you need to see Dr. Schusler, cause man, he's, he's a great looking guy and he wears these stupid pink coats. I don't know what's wrong with him, but he's a heck of a doctor. You need to go see him or you can see Dr. Logan. And Dr. Logan is you know like Ho- Dr. Hodad, hands of death and destruction, but you can go. So it's your choice. So if you go see Dr. Schusler then maybe we waive your deductible if you have one or make it a very minimal, no cost for you to go. Or you can go see Dr. Schuessler and um, I I screwed that example up. But You see Dr. (laughs) Schuessler and the plan benefits pay as they've always paid. So the employee still has a choice. We would never take that away from them. But the difference is, and everybody goes, well, this is big brother. I don't, how's that going to work? They're going to get upset. Why would you get upset about going to the right place? I mean, you can you can find out everything you want about a car or a flat screen TV, but you can't find squat out about healthcare out there. It's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, that's why they're all suing. They don't want to make the prices transparent. The, P, the program Bill Key Millions Group just sued the government. I mean, hospitals. I mean, what a Tyler, Texas Chamber of Commerce is suing. To stop it? I mean, I I don't get it. I mean, who in their right mind? It's the only thing in America you don't know the price for for thirty days. Anyway, I'm I'm a little passionate at times, so
2: I apologize. Yeah, that was that was exactly what we wanted to hear. So thanks for thanks for sharing your passion. One word. One word. One word. Yeah, that one word. Thanks for sharing that one word. I'm glad I bet (laughs) bet the over.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're the same way, Carl. I mean, it's just. We throw our hands up in the air, and you know what? Wh- why? Why is it like this? Which, which kind of brings me to my next question, which was: We have discussed a ton of practical solutions to help employers and employees, really any patient, save money and receive better care. But they're not put in practice. Why not? Why are these not more commonly put into practice by brokers, uh, TPAs, employers? You name the the group, right? That's that's providing care or administering care. What is it? Is it greed? Is it something else? What? What? what do, why do you think this isn't more common?
0: Um. Well, the politically correct term is embedded yeah. conflicts of interest.
1: You're not politically correct, though. I don't think, Carl. Yeah.
0: yeah well, the Carl Schusler term is the cartel. <laughs> is the cartel. So, um. You, you got so many. The only person who wants the cost to go down is the employer. Yeah. Everyone else, the PBM. Again, not often, sometimes the physicians, again, I'm a big fan of the doctors, the hospitals, the insurance companies, the broker, all of them. And that's the other thing you ask, the biggest reason is, uh, number one, Stephen, there's a big difference between a broker and an advisor. Yeah. And everyone knows, and if y'all did any research, don't call me a broker because that won't end well for anybody. Um, you know, a broker sells insurance. They bring a buyer and a seller together and, and they, they represent, it's always funny, in real estate, you can't be a, re- a real estate agent can't represent the buyer and the seller. Yeah. They each represent one party or the other. Yeah. yeah. So as a broker, you're allowed to do that. And that's always been kind of nutty. An advisor leads. An advisor helps the client, leads them in the right direction versus pushing a rope. Brokers generally continue to perpetuate, I hate the term, but status quo. Yeah. And by the way, maybe they're a lot smarter than I am because some of them do very well and they seem to be on the golf course and the deer stand a lot quicker, more often than me. But, um, the reason I don't think is, is taken is the, all the embedded complex of answers 100%. And I also think the reason it's not done more is these employers at the end of the day, they don't understand healthcare. Um, 100%. We're working always on trying to simplify our message as my buddy Drew said. So a caveman can understand it. And we could continue and improve that uh, substantially. But they don't know what they don't know. And they're in a trusted relationship with Stephen for 10 years. They just assume it's going to go up. This is how it is. And there's nothing we can do about it. So when you're us and you come in, it's sometimes unbelievable when you look at the numbers. The hospital saved 54% of 1.2 million, with 157 employees. That's that's like crazy. How can you do that? So you get that unbelievably factor. But I think the brokers... I, I wanted a better way because I was tired of that way, and I really cared. And I'm not saying they don't care. I'm not saying they don't work hard. But there's just too many misaligned in, incentives here. And um, until we change that, maybe the transparency of the broker's compensation again, I mean, good luck with that. It's all headed in the right direction, but we've seen brokers getting $2 a script. But that's nowhere to be found on the 5500. So there's just a lot of things. But I do think the biggest challenge is the employer and um, getting them to to change. And why is it not more widely accepted? I I was asked this by a county down in Arcadia Florida where we're trying to build a community plan. The county administrator asked me, Carl, how many people around the country doing this? I said, well, this, this and this. And, you know, 300 yards from you is your hospitals doing it. And, you know, and it's been in the news. You know, well, you know, why is it being done everywhere? Well, there's only so many people that are talking about this stuff. We need more people talking. Yeah. That's why we started Mitigate Partners to bring us together to get the message out more rapidly uh, by pulling our resources together. So the, I'm just telling you, this is really funny. As the county administrator, I said, you know, I said, I said, Mandy, I said, I'm, I'm going to turn it. I'm going to ask you the question. Why in your broker talking about these kind of things? She so goes, Well, they're part of the cartel, Carl. And I said, Exactly. <laughs> and that's verbatim. So, but it's you got to deal with the constitutionals and the council and, you know, all that in these municipalities is very difficult to get things moved. But um, anyway, I think that's it. Embedded conflicts of interest, the cartel. Mm-hmm. And you got a lot of people fighting, guys. I mean, you, when the CEO of an insurance company, and I'm not making this up, flies down, to meet your client. I don't know what do you call that. Trying to get them changed. My CEO, forty-five million dollar a year fellow,
2: one of the Bukas, flies down to see our client. Interesting. I was I was curious about that because you're obviously touching on a lot of uh, sore spots out there in your in your day to day life and what you're doing. So I mean, is that the most uh, dramatic, most extreme type of pushback you've gotten from some of those embedded interests, or are there other examples that really let people know that we're up against a lot here?
0: I tell you what, you guys are loaded with good questions. If I would be quick and short, points, y'all could ask probably 20 more. <laughs> uh, that probably is, Doug, the most extreme example. And in, in the size of the company was in, you know in the, under 10,000, but it was what it represented. It was getting that out on the street. The gig is up, and they're going to probably save between 15 and $20 million in one year. That's a big deal. And and then the gig is up. And once that falls, they're worried about it. So that that is by far the most extreme. And you know, a couple of years ago, Bill Rustenberg, I don't know if you know Bill out in Texas, he 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 invented the Schussler stick. And so I know the people can't see it, yeah. but here's a miniature version. It's a dentist mirror, it's an but,
1: explorer. Yeah, know, so
0: so we have to, you know, run that underneath the car before we crank it up. And I did all, all honesty get worried in this situation uh, because, you know, sued the, the client and some other things. And so there were a lot of accusations made. Um, it is it, it pretty unbelievable. So, yeah, if anyone wants to, Doug, if anyone says this Carl guy is whack, cartel, what is this guy doing? They better pack a lunch and dinner and breakfast because they, I, they have no idea. And the employers, when you look at the Fortune 500, look at the top 20. The bulk of them are middlemen who bring no value to the system. Mm-hmm. And they're they're preying on everyone else. And when you people go, God, how do you save all the money? Eliminate the medals. That's all we do. And build employer-built healthcare. Point health care. Point health-built health care, not insurer-built health care.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, Well, I know we're getting towards the end of our time, but I did have a, I I wanted to spin things a little bit. Um, It's easy when we have these conversations to talk about the negative, a lot of negativity, right? When we kind of go through the state of healthcare in America today, because rightfully so, right? You know, there's some bad things happening, but I wanted to turn it around and just ask you, what are some of the positive things? What are you most excited about that you're seeing happening, you know, trends, trends, what, what kind of keeps you going and, and gives you hope, I guess, for for what's happening?
0: Steven, I've often said we need to change the narrative. We need to quit talking about the problems and talk about the solutions. And everyone is so funny. I've been involved in so many conversations with a lot of smart people. And everyone gets in a room and competes on how much they know. And I'm going, we've been saying this for seven years. Let's talk about the solutions. It's so negative. on the, mm-hmm. And when we found the six deficiencies in healthcare. Um, let's see how good I am and see if I remember all I've only done is talk a million times, but, um, uh, embedded complex of interest, cartel, lack of quality and pricing, transparency, quality is one thing, quality is extremely important We yeah. talked about, uh, the, um, uh, the medical billionaires, fraud, waste, and abuse, the traditional PPO discount game, the pharmaceutical shell game, and the lack of information data. Those are the six deficiencies this is a negative message. So we turn it into six opportunities in healthcare, And if you'll address those six opportunities, you could say 15 or upwards of 60 percent. No joke. So I, what we're excited about is I do believe. Yeah, I can't say healthcare is fixed totally, even though we put that on the slide. Um, yeah. I think we're heading in a good direction and we have to. The, and, and Mike Andrade, one of our mitigate partners out of Houston, has is, is always said this people have got to be the CEO of their own health yeah. and right now when the boot of hell is there, they're not the CEO of their own health. They, they got to become the CEO. So we help them and guide them, yeah. but they got to be their own CEO. And right now they've been spoon fed and navigated through a system that benefits all the, all the middleman and not the employer, not themselves. So I think they got to take control, but I've never been more excited because now, the change is happening. I don't know if we hit a tipping point. Everybody keeps wanting to have that discussion. But companies are more apt. I think COVID accelerated it. Now, who knows what's going on, if it's going to slow it back down again with everything happening out there. But um, that's what we're excited about. We There's a lot of people running their mouths about this stuff on LinkedIn and Twitter. We're doing it. We've got yeah. over 30 offices that are doing it. And it is possible, and there is hope, and they need to know they're not an early adopter. They are, wait, we've done this a lot of places. Before, you know, Mount Everest was once unclimbable. Now there's a litter problem. There's oxygen bottles everywhere. Yeah, people die every year still, but a lot of people have done it. That's the message the employer needs. You know, we say all it takes is good advice and a little courage. Christy Gupton says that. But courage could be viewed as negative. I got to have courage to make this change? No. You know, it's being done all over the place. So
1: yeah.
0: we're excited about that. And I think putting the power back to the patients, power to the patients as patient rights is pushing behind, is extremely important. And I think when you do that and you break the barriers to care, you have people that are diabetics that can't afford their their, their test strips. I mean, they can't. The average American doesn't have $500 in their checking account. How about if it's free, if they comply and adhere to the meds, meet with a community pharmacist once a month, have all your meds synchronized, everything's there, you're a happier individual. So I think that's what this is about, and yeah. a, and a getting it back again to relocalizing the care, neighborhood health care, neighborhood neighbors take care of neighbors.
1: Yeah, and I think you're 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 singing. You know, we're with you. We're we're preaching to the choir for us, and I hope everyone listening is listening as well and, and is implementing some of these thing, same things. And um, I loved what you said about, you know, the patient is a CEO, you know, the re- responsibility you, you have that to, uh, to, to really shop for care, to find the right solutions, mm-hmm. to not just kind of do whatever you're told to do, um, but to be an active engaged participant in your healthcare. I think that's the biggest piece and that's something that we care about. And that's something we're trying to help patients do as we're trying to make healthcare easier to find, understand and afford That's it's right in our wheelhouse. So really
0: but, but- Hey, Stephen, one thing follow up. I'm sorry.
1: No, no. I think what was important
0: with our fair cost health plan, we want the member engaged and in control and the CO their own health. But at the same time, if you build the plan right, you can almost make it foolproof. And where they do go, where they need to go. And and one thing you ask, and I did it, You know, obviously, as usual, a short answer. Um, Plan design must reward good decisions. Barry Murphy said that for years, co-founder with me at Mitigate Partners. Plan design must reward good decisions. I gave you all examples. That's what's missing out there. You've got to do it that way. and That way, the member will take better care of themselves by you helping them make the path. You know, follow the yellow brick road
1: makes sense yeah i mean you know we do what we're incentivized to do so we got to build this in a way that's going to help help and incentivize them to to make those decisions uh I mean, hey, we, we're
0: not going to talk about the dogs at all we, we, don't get to talk we about ran out dogs. of time
1: there's like you know there, there, there like you said we had 20 more questions but but you know your one word answers. Mm-hmm. We didn't get to get to all of them. We really did, though. It was a blast. Um, can, a can I come of, back? A ton of yes. We'll 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 do part two, and then uh, we'll release that episode later, <laughs> and then part three, and then and then part four. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll wow. cover Ole Miss. We'll cover Georgia. Uh, no, we really like yeah, Carl. It was a
2: yeah. It was a ton of great information and a whole lot more fun than one word answers. So we're really glad you. Uh, you really glad you. Uh, you are the way you are. It was awesome, well, Doug. I was really thinking about. Doing some work with y'all, but now that you lied to me, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> too yeah.
1: late. No, this is great. You're awesome. Keep keep preaching the gospel that you're preaching. We love it. Um, and uh we, we really did enjoy the conversation. Thanks again for joining uh, us and I, I, had I a blast. All right.
0: Thank y'all for uh you know giving us the opportunity to be here and uh more it, yeah, I'm excited I'm excited to continue to learn what you guys are doing. Yeah. I'm excited about all the people you're connected with, some of the true legends in healthcare, and uh, with all of that, and and uh, you know Doug's leadership and everything else, and, and uh, 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 I think it's going to be real exciting to see what can be done. And and here's the one thing: we, we all have a lot of shiny objects, and and that's the problem is there's a lot of shiny objects, but you got to get on the plane and sandbox together, and that's what's most important, unique. I think with our you know business model and uh, what we try to do.
1: So, I love it. Ooh. I really
0: appreciate y'all's time today and I appreciate you putting up with me. Lindsay, I know you're like, you know, I know you're like, geez, this was miserable, but thank y'all for putting up. With <laughs> you.
1: Yeah, for those, Lindsay's our producer, so she's 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 just listening and laughing. But Well, I love it. I love it. Uh, Let's get in the sandbox. Let's do the work. Let's make this thing happen. Let's actually do all this great stuff we talked about. So thanks again. Uh, we'll wrap it there. Really appreciate it, Carl. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. And that's a wrap on today's episode of the point health podcast. It was really a blast to speak with Carl, uh, co-founder and managing principal of mitigate partners. He is, he's hilarious. Um, clearly full of some great stories as you heard, and really just love what he's doing with his fair cost health plan and i i hope to see it grow and his uh thoughts on the industry expand so that we can continue to help employers and patients in the end really save on uh, on their healthcare costs thanks to carl for joining us today and sharing his insight in how employers can improve those healthcare offerings we uh love the conversation and we can't wait to share more conversations with other health experts as we continue to build point health Be sure to subscribe now so you get a heads up when future episodes drop. Thanks for listening.